Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boothcast. This Boothcast today is brought to you by Booth Training in partnership with our broadcast partner, TotalSup. Now, Booth Training is a training plan system that I created about five years ago now. Uh, I've been coaching people in uh, OC1, surf ski, um, stand-up paddling, um, anything that's on the water and you sort of train for. I've been coaching it for a few years now and it's been a really fun process. So if you want to find out more, please go to my website, michael-booth.com.au and there's a whole section there called Booth Training. Now I'm going to throw you over to my interview with Josh Riccio. Hello and welcome to Boothcast. On Boothcast, I speak to people who've inspired me about sport, business and the winning mindset. Today's Boothcast is brought to you by Booth Training, your one-stop online training hub. And today I have on the Boothcast, all the way from Maui, Josh Riccio. He's the stock Molokai champion from 2019. He is also the record holder. He's a good friend of mine and I'm really happy to have him on. Josh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks Michael for having me on the Boothcast. No worries. Um, yeah, it's been, been really cool to talk to so many cool people and it's sort of been a bit of a Maui theme lately. I've interviewed a few people from the, the little rock in the middle of the Pacific, um, but it'd be really cool to hear a little bit about your story and um, let us know like where you're from and, and where you grew up and, and how you got involved in, in paddling. Yeah, right on. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not from Maui originally, so my um, First introduction to the ocean, really began in Florida at a young age, fishing, surfing, really being the, the main uh, kind of connection and passion to the ocean. That brought me out to Maui um, in my college era and then uh, got into paddling right after moving out here. Um, really actually kind of got tricked into paddling through a canoe club. You know, you just kind of got like, the invitation to come and check it out and then uh from there it just they they kept almost kind of forcing me to come back for practices and stuff and i was like i don't know i mean there's there's waves i'm gonna go surf yeah um uh, over time paddling just grew on me and now you know living in maui it's just the perfect environment for it so that's why you have guys like kyle Connor Baxter, Zane Schweitzer coming off of this little rock in the middle of the Pacific. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I've been, been out here for 10 years and paddling pretty much since the first month I moved out here, starting at a, rec a recreation level to now trying to chase you <laughs> in races like Carolina Cup and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was obviously cool to see how close you were in, in Molokai last year, nearly coming over the top of, us, top of us in that last sort of 10 kilometers. But we want to talk initially about like obviously growing up in Florida. What, what is the landscape of, of I don't know, I'm not, what, not sure what, which part of Florida you grew up in, but is it similar to like the vibe that you have in, in somewhere like Maui or is it, is it completely different or you go surfing mainly? Like what is, like, what is it like over there? It's, it's, uh, it's such a different world. Uh, Florida is... is it's more part of the South there, the, the, the culture around the, the, the culture isn't um, kind of surrounded by the ocean like it is out here. Um, paddling, surfing are just normal topics of conversation out here in Maui. Whereas in Florida, uh, especially on the Gulf coast side of Florida, where I grew up on the more landlocked side or uh, smaller ocean side, yeah. You had 
less waves, less of a community that served and uh, really connected with you. So it's a, it, it's definitely a great place to enjoy the water. Most people do it on their boat, find a cool little sandbar on the intercoastal and have a six pack or 12 pack of beers. I'll do yeah. um, There's lots of good flat water paddling there and uh, backwaters to go explore. Yeah. So um, I have a lot of family that still lives in Florida. And when I go back home to visit, I like to go do that. Yeah. Yeah, when, when you're like growing up in, so you grew up, like, it's, like a, it's like a tip Florida, isn't it? And you, live, you grew up on the in, inside bit, like towards Texas, I guess? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, that body of water is the Gulf of Mexico, and it, it's really pretty small, you know, sea that takes a lot of winds, a lot of wind to whip up that little body of ocean to, or water to give us a wave. Yeah. Um, but, you know, my little friend group uh, that I, grew up with on on the beaches over there we're just man we were frothed out and we we're so stoked on any little swell that we were always out there and uh kind of always finding ways to like um get by without that feeling of surfing so we were always on the boat fishing or surfing behind the boat stuff like yeah. that skating yeah, doing heaps of that wakeboarding and that sort of stuff behind the boat. Yeah, because you wouldn't be able to catch waves. Cause like if you, I, I'm just thinking about like the, the landscape in my head. I'm like, there's not really going to be swell pushing into there. No, yeah, you yeah. definitely a lot of a lot of weeks and months without getting on your board or just having the opportunity to get on your board. Which, and how far is it? How far is Florida east to west? Um, it's about a three-hour drive. So the um like the new the new board company I'm with Flying Fish they're based out of the east coast of Florida about um in an area called Stewart Florida north of the the city of Miami and stuff well well north of that city um yeah. they're they're almost like straight over to the east coast but that's about a 3 hour drive um and and lately on my trips back home I've been doing that to zip over there and go meet up with the crew it's kind of like how you guys uh do all your testing in thailand you know they're yeah. all their testing is there so it's uh it's that's been kind of the normal lately up until this whole virus thing you know hit. yeah and then so. you you've moved over to maui in 2010 what was that change like and, and why did you why did you go over there like what what made you want to leave there you're probably like 21 or something like that and you just gone right i'm going to go over to maui and, and chase the dream i guess pretty much i mean just like i was always that that really stoked out grom um surfing surfer kid at you know growing up and just on that gulf coast of florida you didn't have enough to keep me to keep me uh, fulfilled so i went to college on the east coast first and then after two and a half years of college on the east coast of Florida, I transferred out to uh, Maui to, under the justification that, oh yeah, I'm going to go to Maui College um, and I'm, you know, I'm going to stay enrolled in classes there. And I did um, for a year and a half until SUP just kind of took over and the opportunities were too real to kind of pass up. Yeah. And what were you, what were you studying? Uh, studying just uh, general bit, applied business and information technologies. Yeah. So um, just kind of a general basic um, business degree with a lot of IT mixed into it. 
Yeah, so. sweet. I, I did one of those as well. I did a business degree because it was the easiest one to do when I was traveling on the road. <laughs> yeah, and right on. Yeah, that's, you know, I always kind of saw myself running a, some kind of surf bungalow business, surf camps. Um, now, you know, more, everything's more paddle related. Yeah. Um, so, but really, you know, it's just, uh, just kind of the justification to get over here to be around this kind of lifestyle, just being able to access the ocean all the time, being able to turn down a, a morning surf session because of school or work and knowing that you have the afternoon to get out there or vice versa. Yeah. And did you have like, obviously coming from Florida, did you paddle in Florida at all or it all started when you got to um, Maui? No, you know, I, I honestly was like a really big hater on SUP, um, being, <laughs> uh, being like a shortboard surfer in Florida. Like, yeah, one, if you only shortboard in Florida, which is really common, you're pretty close-minded to like any other type of um, sport or board on the water being cool. So I was, I was really like stereotypical in that way. But um, moving out here, it was just quickly like, okay to me that you could be multi-talented you could you know I always saw Outrigger Canoe as like a really legit way to spend time on the water I thought that um was always just kind of a mark of like a, of a true waterman and out here you know Hawaiian waterman that that term is just you hear it all the time and you, it's really a lifestyle so got into that and uh so no paddling when I first moved out here, but it was like kind of within the first month a paddle was put in my hand and now there's, I don't know, <laughs> paddles all around me. <laughs> yeah. So what was it about, what was it about the paddling that sort of changed your mind? Was it just because you're in like a different environment that just changed your mindset? Because you're like, yeah, like everyone's a waterman here, you just do everything. So, and everyone, people want me to paddle down at the canoe club and get in the sixes or whatever you were paddling to start with. And, you just felt like a bit of a community. I guess it was probably a good way to meet people as well. Cause did you know a lot of people in Maui when you first moved over? Yeah, dude, honestly, it's kind of like all that. Um, I, I was, you know, I was really young when I first moved over here and I, I just knew that I wanted to be here for a while and I knew I didn't want to be just like a, a freaking Hallie that came over here and made everybody upset and just didn't understand and respect the culture out here. So I, I saw paddling as a way to really connect with the local community here yeah. to just help myself like get established and meet good people, meet good contacts, new friends. Um, you know, I was blown away by just the fact that when you're standing up on a board, how much more you see out there being a surfer for 15 years or so up at that point, I was like, I've been in the ocean for so long, you know? And then, going out there you just have a totally different experience standing up i mean being out in on the water in general in maui is just it's, i still haven't gotten used to it you know it's such an awesome place to paddle so um i really credit this environment as just making me into a paddler for sure and it was just, and just like the place you wanted to be straight away like you just really enjoyed obviously being on the island and going surfing going i don't know windsurfing or like like just normal like stuff paddling and outrigger paddling and there's sort of like that whole um environment where you can just go and do whatever you want whenever you want if you want to do it because it's just you just drive around to a different part of the island and you're able to do it how, how cool was that obviously when you first moved over there you're able to go surfing and then you started this new thing 
um, in OC and then you eventually got into stand-up. Um, what other sports were you doing? Uh, you know, really it was just, I was such a surf bum. Uh, I still really see myself as just as much of a surfer as a paddler. Um, but it was, it was really uh, teaching surf lessons by day, surfing or paddling after work. Um, you know, trying to kind of party when I was younger, but then yeah. really just like you said, like just being able to do all those things, like being able to go, um, go do all the stuff in the water, like, you know, surf, paddle, uh, paddle on waves, whatever, then go hike, just go spearfish or dive, snorkel, any of that stuff. Like just to me, really all, all appealed to me even before I got here. Like I, I, and I just knew like when I was, when I moved here, I was, I wanted to be here for, you know, I was like, this is it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And when I you, when you, yeah. And when you first joined the Outrigger Club, when you were paddling there and you were getting involved in the, in the club, did, how was that progression as you gradually got better at that? Like, I know you still paddle down there as like, as training and you compete in events with them and that sort of thing. But what was it about that club that, made you go keep going back and made you keep wanting to, to paddle and get better at it? Um, I, you know, it really, be, it, it definitely makes it more of like a team feel or like a team effort when you've got this whole club of people backing you. Um, you know, at first you, I, I came onto the scene and it was just like, okay, I, I, I don't know anything. I, I'm just trying not to mess up and, and stick out like an, like a novice. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I, I was lucky, like one distance season for the Pilolo race, Maui to Molokai, that channel crossing, they were short a guy for like the top guys crew and somehow got into it. So I was like, oh man, I better... I better listen, do everything right. I hope I don't drop my paddle, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it was just like you're instantly – I was instantly kind of paddling with guys way better than me that I didn't belong to paddle with. So I knew it. I was like, oh, my God, I got to catch up. Like I, I was just hungry. Um, you know, being able to – the experiences I was getting kind of, you know, privy to just being a part of a canoe club, like just the things you get to do, the connections you meet, the places you get to go. Like there's places literally you get to go when you're doing canoe club functions that otherwise you're not allowed to go there. You go there, you get, you're going to get stink eye or worse. And, and so it's just, I don't know. I mean, it, it's so hard to think, about paddling without having that canoe club introduction and then just still that relationship over 10 years of like just fostering my passion really yeah for sure and did you go do many events like outside of maui or were you just mainly just paddling in maui doing the the, the outrigger stuff yeah um main, most of it is like in the summertime we just do these like little short races called regatta races um on maui but then it evolved it goes into distance season and I, so i've done like the the queen lilio kalani race on the big island which is like the biggest outrigger canoe race by participation by like numbers okay. it's crazy like the start line is literally like a mile wide because the boats are set up next to each other 
Yeah. And like, that was, that was super fun. I, I've actually never done a Kaibi channel crossing on a six man. Yeah. Uh, but I try, I do the, um, the Maui to Molokai crossing any chance I can. Some years I've been off Island when they were racing it, but, uh, I, I, you know, I try to, I do what I can. I got to do the Nepali race last year um, on Kauai yeah. with my club. And that, oh man, that was one of the most enjoyable races I've ever done, ever. So. Do you get good downwind in those races as well? Or is it, is it just like, just, is it anything race or is it mainly downwind or how do they all work? I know obviously the channel crossings are mostly downwind. Yeah, I mean, like, out, out here in Hawaii, nobody wants to paddle flat water, you know, like, um, and, and, and that's, like, true with stand-up and outrigger. All, yeah. all the, the outrigger clubs want to wanna be in the bombs, just like we do. So um, there are races that are more flat water or just more set up for, like, novices to enjoy distance racing, but it's not quite an open ocean race. So I might pass on those. Yeah. Um, but then again, too, it's like, it's so fun to just jump in the boat with like a mixed crew, you know, like for, for guys like us, we we're super focused on our paddling and, and subs a solo sport. So it's, a, so a six man and outrigger canoe is kind of a, a healthy outlet for me to just go out there and paddle for pure fun. Knowing yeah. like my buddy's super hungover from the night before or, the guy in front of me has had Taco Bell for lunch and is literally like paddling to, and trying to keep his lunch in, you know, just yeah. like when the dynamics are kind of like that, it, it just, I don't know. It, that, that's a big part of why I still paddle club too. It's for and, like the non-seriousness of it. <laughs> yeah. So you do, you do a lot of um, outrigger paddling initially when you get to Maui and obviously you're still doing it now, but, how did you how did you get your first stand up paddle in your hand? Like what what happened there? Like was it just like a lot of people were doing it at the time? Like did you get influenced by like guys like Connor, Kai, Zane? Like they're obviously all the big names, especially when the, the sport first started. Like they were kind of like the pioneers. But like yeah, what what helped you get involved in stand up? Yeah, well, um, yeah, it was kind of like a it was kind of like a combination of um, paddling with the club and then hearing like what like hearing these names like Zane and Connor, you know, for the first time and hearing what they're doing. Um, it was just, you know, this is right in the young, like 2010, what I think was when Zane won that little exhibition sub surf event put on yeah, by sunset. Big, I know. I think it was on the big Island. Oh, was it? I, I think it was at this event. Like it was just a, an inaugural event i don't know but anyways like i i got into i got in with the club i did that maui to molokai crossing the bumps i got the taste on on a six-man canoe like i didn't really like paddling that right away i wasn't like oh paddling's the sickest thing ever like my shortboard's gonna stay at the house like i was still still a surfer for the first year and a half i would still say like pick the surfboard over the paddle yeah. But then when I got the open ocean taste of like connecting big bumps and in like in channel crossing, it was it pretty much sealed the deal for me. And then like those, you know, Connor and Zane and those guys were like 
just starting to take off. Like we were just starting to hear about like their adventures kind of. And yeah. I was like, this is sick. I need to get better at canoe and the six man and this and the stand up is going to let me do that because it's kind of a mix between paddling and surfing. So I like that. But then really I treat it as just like a way to cross train and get better so that I can make sure I was in that in the canoe in that same seat for next year like because i knew i didn't get in there i got lucky to get in there so i was like i really want to get back in that seat and yeah it's just again like zane and connor were just starting to blow up like the social media stuff and i was like dude these guys are like living the lives of pro surfers pretty much which is kind of a dream i've always had so yeah that's like another outlet for you to like chase that, that dream and obviously there's a lot of travel involved and we'll probably go in so many cool places especially that for those first world series events in like 2010 11 12 and you had like the racing sort of started and you sort of came in when the racing season sort of more kicked in and were you going were you doing like when did you when did you do your first stand-up race um i like i did my first race in like 2012 on maui it was just um it was just like a fun race put on by one of the canoe clubs and they just, I think for the first time opened a subdivision and I just happened to just bought a board and I was like, Oh, cool. Like, Oh my, my, my canoe club is going to do this, the race in the six man and I'll get to do it on my sup. I'm like, it was a Maliko run. Um, you know, the Maliko for like paddling, they don't, put you out there until you're really well experienced so they're like dude i don't know if you should go out there on a sub josh but if you do you should go when we're out there in case something happens we'll be able to save you or rescue you yeah <laughs> and, and so that's that's how i got started on that it was just a you know fun little race on maui there's a little maui series that was going on with the one-man racing that they they added a subdivision in so kind of got into that um and then, and then, um, you know, was 2013 is when I did my first Maui to Molokai solo on the SUP. And that was like the big goal for me. It was like, oh, I'm going to get into this like paddling thing. I'm going to try to focus on doing a solo, um, you know, for Maui to Molokai, not, not Kaivi. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. thinking that. <laughs> I was like, no way. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, I did that. I did really good in the SUP stock division. Um, I remember I got third right behind Zane and Paul Jackson. Um, and I remember beating Chase Colsterlitz at the time. Yeah. And he was a big name. He was, a, you know, he's kind of a big guy. So he like, he stands out when he's at events and stuff. Yeah. Not like somebody being like, dude, you beat Chase Colsterlitz. Like that was, they're like hyping him up. I was like, wow, right on. Like, that's so cool. Um, stoked that I'm kind of mixing it up at least with the downwind stuff that came kind of naturally the flat water yeah. and the sprinting I still got to work on that yeah. quite a bit, but. yeah well yeah I'm not very good at sprinting but yeah I know exactly what you feel like when you're just like oh, I'd rather do this other stuff so I'm good at it but then you gotta like, look at this other stuff you're like no, that's a big part of it. I gotta do that too yeah yeah for sure so yeah, man, like it's it, it's it's really fun to actually talk to you about this because it's like it's just making me re relive this, you know, these years, like the early years and thinking about how just things kind of all connected and there wasn't really a big master plan. It was just like, okay, 
get into get a race board to cross train for canoe season then okay try to do your first channel crossing then that went well and then it, that motivated me to go to california to do the 2013 battle of the paddle i got to compete yeah. in a battle actually yeah we got to do a few bops yeah and and that, was that experience like that would have been huge back then that that was brand dude it was sick we were all brand new into it like you're just oh like first time getting to meet the sub community outside of maui which was like sick you know maui was big was a really hot spot at the time but then when i went to california and i saw how bigger the sport was i was like oh my goodness this is this is such a great thing to be a part of you know everybody was just so everyone's so pumped on it um yeah. i feel like we were so young too like we were so naive as like athletes. yeah what we were what we were racing on yeah what we were doing for training just all that stuff cracks me up i mean it's like green yeah i i i just yeah i love love looking getting those like memories on facebook and stuff of like those years and seeing the board widths and the noses and everything just like oh man we've come a long way <laughs> that, but that's what's been so exciting about stand-up because i remember doing my first races in about 2014 i went to the last one at at salt creek i think it was in bop and it was just like yeah everyone just was just making stuff up like nobody really knew it was i was like the paddlers yeah. like um danny and like trap like we're also like the old oc pads and you had like guys like jamie and then you had surfers kind of like like yourself or Kai or like kind of like sort of transferring their surfing over to like paddling. And it was just like a real mix of like different backgrounds and different paddlers. And it was like quite a cool thing to see because like there's all these people just throwing their hat in the ring and trying to be good at this new sport. Definitely. Like actually pretty, pretty sure. I, re I remember meeting you on that 2014 trip in California. We were at the Huntington grand slam the tristan's event where you had the surf and the race yeah it was pumping i remember watching you you on this gulliver board. yeah yeah that sound, that's correct okay and and i'm like dude this guy you were hammering on this thing and you were flying you were fast but you were falling like you would yeah. go like your your board would just dump you but i would i was like dude this guy's fucking fat this guy's pretty fast like yeah i don't know who he is um and I'm, I'm still meeting everybody. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to go talk to this guy. And you're like, what's up, dude? You're like, you're just a full Aussie. And I'm like, damn, like, this guy seems like he's gnarly. Like, he's going to be freaking a name to watch. And that, that was definitely the same thing I was seeing, too. I'm like, man, I'm such a surfer. And I'm racing against a guy like you that's like a, you know, such a, like, powerhouse as far as, you know, your paddling background and your – and then the same with like a lot of the other Aussies with their life, life saving uh, background and stuff. It's yeah. It's such a, yes, yeah, so different. Cause I was terrible at that stage. Like, I think, I actually think I flew in from, I think I was doing like kayaking. I think I had a kayaking competition, like in, in somewhere. And then I flew straight in from that and I just like jumped myself and was trying to like do it and I could paddle, which was fine, but I couldn't do any of the skill stuff. Cause I didn't have, an, I didn't have spent any time on the board. So I didn't know how to like, kicked turn i didn't really know how to catch waves properly or if i did i'd feel like i was gonna fall off so I'd like i try and go to my belly and still fall off and it was just yeah just a comedy mate oh dude like yeah it's definitely 
I mean, thank God, bro. Thank God it took you a while to at least adapt, <laughs> adapt your skills. I mean, uh, but yeah, and that's that, that's still to me one of the cool things about our sport is we haven't we haven't had the full enough time for like generations of paddlers to come up as stand-up paddlers. So, you know, we've got you with like your surf ski background, got a lot of surfers coming in. Um, you know, you go to like, you look at Larry King. I, I, I mean, I think of some other friends that were like cyclists before they came over here. It's just pretty cool to see that. James Case was like a rugby player, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah, like, I, and there's just so many people with so many different backgrounds, and there's just it's such a new sport, really. And I think that's what sometimes people forget as well. Like everyone's like, "Oh, it's dying. It's it's not going." And it's like, "Man, it's been around for like ten years. Like, give it a break. Like, we're gonna go up and down a little bit, but I think it's gonna keep projecting forward, and it's just gonna be different periods of of like anything. I like, look at this time in like life, really, with the coronavirus and like everything's getting changed for like, I don't know, a year or whatever it is, but everything will eventually go back to normal and we'll start going forward again until the next crisis. And then we'll, we'll you know, we'll just deal with it when we have to. So it's just, it's ebbs and flows. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I, I definitely agree with you on that. Like it's, it's, um, it's been really fun to, to be a part of like the whole wave of paddleboarding for 10 years. Like when we first jumped on, it was, just the growth rate was just, it was so steep, you know? Um, yeah. Everybody was getting into it and, and um, you know, good and bad comes with that. I felt like there was maybe a huge injection of money in the first, in the early years. But then there's also just a lot of people that were involved with the sport that maybe weren't real paddlers and weren't really going to have the best influence on the sport. Um, but, but overall, I mean, like, it's, ah, it's just, I, I don't know. I'm just so grateful for paddling. I, you know, there's definitely some politics to it if you get really, and, you know, sometimes you may have to kind of get a little involved in that, but, um, for the most part, I really just can, I'm out here in the middle of the Pacific. I can just put my headphones on and go train and forget about all that. Yeah yeah there's always definitely there's always politics in any sport you've got to basically maneuver it and try and stay away from it at the same time but you've got to be involved in it as you say because otherwise you don't really get a say in the direction and sometimes people yeah. don't listen to you anyway so it doesn't really matter but you've got to sort of do your best to try and help the sport go in, in a direction that you think it should go but everybody has all their different opinions and hopefully it's always positive and we, we sort of sway away from the negative which i think we get caught up with a little bit yeah, like the the points of you know where you disagree and whatnot, but but to me like you know uh, after ten years like every time you go back I get out of like my off season where I get to spend some holiday time with family and stuff it's like okay like what where is that fire what is the fire that drives me to keep paddling and training like I'm getting I'm getting older I feel like it, that's not get, making it any easier but I'm learning new things every year so that is um and and so it's like this mix of like my personal progression is I love competing against, you know, guys like you, Connor, the Husulos, anyone, just because like you guys are a measure for me to like push myself. And if I lost by you, if I lost to you by five minutes last year and only a minute this year, I'm like, Oh, that's progress. Or if I beat someone that I've been losing to and looking at their back for a year, like that's huge. But then, 
also the like sharing that when we're done with the race or you know now taking on like coach more of a coaching role too watching other people get psyched on finishing their first you know solo crossing or uh or just even their first downwind run you know like that that whole community part of it is really like keeping me really really psyched on on um on being a part of this paddle thing so yeah you definitely got to draw your motivations from different areas but what what does really fire you up about about going paddling and, and chasing those different goals like is it mainly about trying to get closer to people or trying to beat people like i know when i always start sports i'm always like yeah i'm here so i'm gonna like try and beat that person i'm gonna try to beat that person i'm gonna try and beat that person you just gradually snowball your way forward and you hopefully get to where you want to be sometimes that doesn't happen I've had, I've had that instances where i haven't i've beaten everybody except one guy in like surski this period and i was just like so annoyed at myself and then i never got him and then he retired and i was like damn it um no, yeah <laughs> Yeah. But then, because then he wasn't really racing that much at that stage, so I couldn't keep like testing myself. It'd be like once a year or something, I get an opportunity, and you just didn't get to get it done. But there's like all those other motivations, like obviously internally, you want to get better in yourself. You want to have live a good life. Like stand up paddling allows you to travel. Obviously, it's such amazing places and meet like-minded people, and and you just go into events like you're testing yourself. But then you're also having fun with your friends. Like you have this like traveling family that you get to meet up with, and might get to some clinics where you get to help people like share the stoke with their paddling and it's just so, all those di all those different motivations that we can draw on what are the i know the main few ones for you i mean yeah like dude for me it really is just competing like i i've always loved competing when i was a kid i i, I actually um I, I was a really competitive hockey player and and that was like started at, a, at like five years old i was super gung-ho at it i literally like fall asleep in my hockey gear just from practice you know playing street hockey and then just pass out in the in, in the house and whatever with the gear on and stuff and so like I took a break from that um when I got really into the surfing and and so when I got into paddling um frick racing was just sick to me because there was no subjective scoring if that was a nine five or nine three um yeah. you know being able to to set a goal and to have like a really kind of way to measure it way to like see like i i set that goal that i wanted to paddle 10 miles in under an hour and a half and i did it like just simple things like that um that that really has driven me and then at the same time i i wasn't really that good at losing when i played hockey um if you ever you ever seen that movie happy gilmore yeah yeah like adam sandler yeah i, I was i was kind of that guy like you know, <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was pretty good i was really talented for sure i wasn't like a dirty player by any means but i was definitely like really passionate and and so um you know i would definitely uh take losses really hard as a kid and and now i've um you know now i i, I really take paddling as an opportunity to like grow and it's like Dude, I either I either achieve that goal and get that and have that performance that I've worked for, winning that winning Molokai to Oahu, or learn from that crossing. And I didn't, maybe I bonked out or I didn't pay enough attention to detail on like my my water drops and stuff like that, or just didn't have the pace, you know, to hang with you guys. And I fell off the draft train. 
and I want to be back on that pace next year. So really, yeah, it's just, it's, it's competing. I think SUP offers such a healthy way, paddle SUP racing offers just such a healthy form of competition. Um, I think it's there amongst us, you know, at least in like the, 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 the field of guys I race with, I'm like, you know, we're really great uh, competitors on the water. And I think we do a really good job switching that off and become pretty good friends out of the water and having that balance to it, um, you know, kind of justifies doing this, sacrificing all this time. Yeah. I think if we were going out there and literally like throwing blows and knocking teeth out and stuff like that, it just, wouldn't really find the reward in that as much but it's fun when like you have a fun battle with your friend and you're like dude i broke you or what happened like i got you on that buoy turn or something like that just i don't know that nowadays really that's that's what does it for me yeah i I, i'm really about that like the friendly competition obviously like you're getting the start line you're like we're gonna like i'm gonna beat him i'm gonna do whatever i'm gonna do and then you finish the race you're like well done man that was good race like you beat me or i beat you like that's really cool. Like, I got to push myself. You're like, you push me to the next level. I probably push you to the next level. Like that's, and that's what it's all about for me. And then we all get to have beers afterwards, which I really enjoy the most. So um, yeah. that's what, that's what it's all about for me. Just like obviously embracing the community, embracing that sort of competitive spirit and trying to really just get the best out of each other, because that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Like when we look back, we're not probably going to look back at titles or results. We're going to look back at the people we meet and the friends that we get and, all those great experiences that we can tell like stories about. And I think that's what it's mostly about. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you, man. I think we're, we're all pretty lucky to have kind of found this commonality of, you know, just stoking the water. And every time you go to an event, you you get to connect um, with just like-minded people. And, and uh, yeah, whether it's someone that you raced against and you were battling, you know, them like, personally like one-on-one like this or just someone that you knew were in the event like like carolina cups one of those where sorry for that motorcycle audio (laughs) that's my my neighbors but uh anyway (laughs) firing it up yeah dude he's just like oh i'm gonna be part of the boothy podcast (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but yeah man like um yeah the the um the, the camaraderie and the community aspect of the sport is pretty insane. And then, you know, events like Carolina Cup just really showcase that. It's a bummer we're not, we weren't able to enjoy that. Yeah. That community that'd field. That would have been last weekend, hey? Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah. I went and paddled, actually, though. I got a, I went out and paddled 13 miles uh, on, actually, actually on Sunday. Not yeah. going to lie. <laughs> Um, but yeah, now I was like, ah, oh, you know, I gotta go torture myself for the boys. Cause yeah. And then usually I'd be feeling pretty rough after that race. <laughs> yeah. It was so weird for me. Like, cause obviously that's normally like my first event of the year. Like that's what basically what all of our first event of the year is. Cause basically the first one of the summer and the Northern hemisphere and it's what we focus on. And I remember like it all started to come down, like just before I like started getting the training. And I was just like, this is weird. Like I, I, I know I don't need to go training, but I was like, I'm still going training for that first two weeks after I heard about it all. And then I was like, ah, we're not going to be able to race. I'm not going to keep training. I train, but like, I don't train like what I would if I was racing. I just like go paddle for fun or like train, I don't know, with Christy or like go like for just a random um, paddle somewhere or 
go on the double ski, you know, like I do different stuff now, whereas otherwise I'd be right into it. But it's kind of been a weird period for everybody because we've gone from like obviously having our goals and our focus and we keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing. And it's like, hey, look, you need, you need everyone needs a break. If I just stop, relax, you know? And it's kind yeah. of nice in a way. Like I've, I've actually learned to appreciate the whole time. It's like been a massive calming period. Because I know like for me even it was like, how many more years can I like spend on the road? How many more years can I can I race like this for? Because you're doing like 20 competitions, you're traveling to like 20 different countries, you're like just boosting around everywhere, like trying to compete with like obviously the best guys and like trying to capture those opportunities when they're there. And then it sort of gets like, oh geez, like this is quite hard. Like I'm I'm pushing, I'm pushing, I never really get a rest. I never really like you do enjoy it, but like you're not just like being able to like sit back and just go, ah, this is good. You know, like I'm sitting on the couch having a beer now and just like relaxing. It's like, yeah, this is, this is good. I could, I can get used to this. But at the same time, I'm learning that how much I really enjoy that stuff as well. Like I'm just like, ah, I can't wait to be able to go back out and do that again. So it's like reignited the passion, I guess, for me, especially. Yeah. Dude, you know, that's, that's, I think how a lot of people are feeling right now. Um, that's really what I went through. I was like, Honestly, I was kind of pretty tapped into this for a while. I was like, man, this isn't looking good. Like hearing how this thing was spreading, I was like, ah, I don't, I, like I had my, my escort boat driver on, uh, from Molokai to Wahoo. He was like, Hey dude, like, I need you to send me $200 non, non-refundable just to lock me in. And this was like, right after I got the newsletter from Molokai to Wahoo, which is like, I don't know, February or something. And I'm like, ah, this thing is just, ah, this is not looking good. And, and so, yeah, it's definitely, it was, it was hard to like kind of accept the reality of it. Yeah. Um, like you said, you're like, ah, oh, I'm just going to keep going training, screw this. And then, and then you're like, what, what, what's there to train for, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so it's kind of, things dial back like you said just cruise go downwind if there's wind go play in the waves go cruise with the misses um and yeah now it's like okay I'm, i miss this so much uh <laughs> i just want to be able to give people hugs again and um really just be able to talk paddling to the level that i'm used to <laughs> stuff. yeah do you know it was really weird like so in wa uh, in, in australia now like we've basically gone from like having like hectic restrictions like not being able to go out like basically like we can go out paddling but we can't be out more than twos and that sort of stuff and it's actually like changed this week and now we can have like groups of 10 and like it's sort of we're sort of like going the other way because we're not we're, like there's zero been zero cases for like a fair few nights in a row and it's sort of like it's good like, and because we're like the most isolated city in the world pretty much but um, yeah. it, makes, it really helps and <laughs> it's like weird because we're going the other way now and it's like but then you look at like everywhere else you're like yeah but they're not going the other way they're just still the same so it's like when can we go back to what we were doing before like could it be like it could be another 12 months or 18 months like you don't know it could be like three months like you really have no idea and that's the hardest bit about the whole situation is you can't really plan I'm so used to planning things I'm like just like chasing that next goal and like organizing shit and getting stuff like sorted so I can go to that place and make sure that things go smoothly now it's like well, I got nothing planned for. I'm gonna start a podcast and I can talk to people still. <laughs> yeah, dude. No, I'm 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 stoked that you're doing this podcast because I need to talk paddling. Uh, yeah, yeah. A few hours a day if I'm not gonna be doing uh ten hours of talking at events and stuff, you know, with my friends. So yeah, 
Yeah, because you do you you miss that banter like because you just are you like you go to events and you're just like oh this happened like what happened to you in this period like were you like you in that top pack or like how what happened to you when you were like we turned that can like you disappeared like what like you fall off like you know like we always have those surface level conversations where we're just like talking about paddling but we never go into like depth anyway so this is why i found this is really good because you actually get to meet the person and and like i don't know just share stories and like get to know them heaps better than what you normally would because when you're in group settings or you're talking after a race, you're just talking about the race. You don't talk about anything else. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah, this is, this is definitely going to be crucial for now. Like, um, I mean, it, it, it does look like it's going to be a while until we go back to normal, normal. Um, you know, like our, out here in Maui, we're locked down until the end of May. Um, even though we're, we're, we're doing pretty good for our country. We're like the, we're doing, we're the, lowest cases and at per out of all the states or whatever but uh yeah i mean like you know for a a large part of my income comes from teaching surf lessons out here um and that's just not happening and doesn't look like that's going to happen anytime soon because that will be one of the last things that what opens up so worries man i'm bummed too like i'm like my uh you know, Molokai to Oahu got canceled. That was huge for me. Um, I ended up writing like a, like a blog about it just because of how much I missed that event. I was like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta write about this to like, Oh yeah. Is that, is that on the new website? I'll have to check it out. I only just saw it obviously this morning before we came on, cause you were posting about it and I couldn't find the yeah. about me section, but I got there. Uh, yeah. But then like, and then now I'm like, Oh man, I hope that we are in hood river in August, man. Like I'm just hoping that, yeah everything's okay by then and that maybe will be our our season opener yeah well it'd be cool to just do something hey like because i'm so used to racing everywhere and i know my season's gonna look totally different if we get to have a season or i might like do it i might not be able to leave the country so i might have to just do australian races like who knows what's going to happen but it's going to look different yeah. regardless of which way i look at it so i kind of see it as cool in a way because it's not like I'm missing out. Like if I can't go, I just can't go. Like there's no, like it's not, it's not on me. Like if I can't go somewhere, then I just can't go because my government says it or their government says I got to be there for two weeks before I can leave my hotel room or whatever it is. And that just makes it so much harder. But I think when you, when you, things are like taken away instead of you not doing them, it's in a way easier to take. Like if people were, if I had like an injury right now or I'd retired or whatever, like I'm never retired from paddling. I love paddling. But if you were stopping, and everyone else is still racing. Like, you'd be like, oh man, like, I wonder what, how I would have gone in that race. Like, you know, like, I want to get out there and race those guys. And you just can't help yourself. Yeah, no, I mean, for sure. It definitely, um, I, I hate missing out, well, like, on good events. And honestly, like, I, I don't go to all of them. So I do watch some of you guys, some of your great races, and I'm like, oh man, the, like, the world's um, that, you know, that you guys competed in last, what was that last? October, November. Yeah. That was that was so fun to watch. But um but yeah, no, I mean it's um it it's like time to recreate ourselves and you know, my girlfriend's been pushing this website on me for a long time. So that was like, all right, I gotta do that. Like I wanna have I wanna have something to show for this this lockdown time when like, you know, it's easy to kind of just uh, for a lot of people that aren't driven by a goal like like we are as paddlers you know they're like frick what do i do i have no direction now and I'm, they're just 
becoming couch potatoes and wallowing. And so I was like, all right, I got it. I got to get this project done. I got to do this website thing. And, and that felt so good. Um, so now I'm like, okay, what, what, what am I going to do in May? Like, all right, I got this website I got to work on, but, and I'm going to continue paddling like a bunch. I'm actually, um, doing a virtual race a few we're doing a few virtual races out here in hawaii so is that the the, the relay one so there is yeah i just got invited to do a relay race um put on by the um organization that does the one man racing on oahu the Kanai, kanaka ikaika association yeah. so i'm gonna do that but then molokai to oahu is having a virtual race as well they're all kind of experimenting with like the formats of it and stuff. So yeah. I've seen heaps of them, man. They're like everywhere now. Like you look, every they time are. you look, it's like somebody challenging me to something. And I'm just like, I don't I'm know. Sure I'm so like, called out. Yeah, I'm, just like, I'm just like, man, I, I just, I was like, I'm having like a year off racing and everyone keeps telling me to race. So I'm just like, man, can I just have a rest? <laughs> oh, dude. How gnarly is it to be just the bullseye sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. Like you got to, it does. Like when you when you start to get better at shit, like people just want to beat you. Like it's just it is the way it is, and it's, that's cool because that's what keeps you psyched about um racing. But it's 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 much cooler being the, the chaser than the chased. That's for sure. I yeah no I definitely agree with you on that one. Um, I I love being kind of just I, I don't like having all that spotlight on me or hype on me before a race or anything. I just want to like be the guy who sneaks into that draft train or something like what is Riccio doing up there yeah yeah but yeah that's that's funny to hear that all, all everybody hitting you up um, but it's it is super cool because it like kind of gets you fired up to go racing again because like you'd lot of you put the fire out a little bit you're like nah, I just I'll, I'll light it up when it needs to be lit up and then people start calling you out and you're like oh maybe I should go do something maybe I should like do a time trial you know like because I haven't really done any like I have one going for my like group, my training group, like around the place as well. And just like, I don't know, just trying to keep them motivated and get them like obviously boosting time trials up. But I've never done really time trials for stand up. I've always just raced and just done it. And like people like always are like, what are your average speeds? What do you do for this? And I'm like, no, no, no. I just go training and then I finish the training session. I, I stop my stopwatch and then that's it. I don't look at the session. I just, I know how it feels and I know when I need to be good at something and I know how that feels as well. So it's like, that's all I worry about. I don't worry about the data too much. Like, how do you train? Like, do you train a lot with data and, and like, or do you write your own plans or how does it all work for you? Like, I know you start up your online coaching thing as well. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, like I, it, it's definitely just evolved a lot. Like when I was first getting into it, I don't think anybody had like regimen and anybody, nobody did training that word interval training was not, even we just didn't even have that word in our vocabulary yet in 2015 yeah. or 14 i feel like and then right around that time we st i feel like we were stealing you know all this advice and knowledge from like other backgrounds like the aussie life saving uh guys uh cycling was a big thing um and then mick mick debetta i guess was like the first one i i got to give credit to with help, um, you know, kind of from Kelly Margetts, as far as getting me into that, like, um, interval training, heart rate threshold and all that stuff. 
I got really into that for a while. Always had a heart rate monitor on everywhere I went, even when I was just like hanging out in my house, just seeing what my heart rate could get. Yeah. Like, I want to see if I can get it down to like 30, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and just always liked having data and numbers to show. And I always made up, but I'd always make up excuses if they weren't good numbers. I'm like, oh, the current was this and that, or the wind was this, or I, I, I worked all day. I didn't have any food in me, just all this and that. So then I just stopped using it all together for a while, just went off of like feel again. Um, and, and then I, I just, now I, I write out my schedule for the races I'm doing. Um, I really trained for Carolina Cup and Molokai to Oahu and and those two events kind of I think prep me for everything else yeah um I'll you know I'll do more skill stuff if if we were doing Pacific paddle games and whatnot you know it'd be a lot of like beach starts in and out through the surf and stuff like that but um yeah and it, it's 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 kind of a mix of like just go and paddle hard and also regimented like scheduled three minute all out pushes or five minutes at 75 percent yeah um, and how do you find training for those two events because they're obviously your main ones with like maui to molokai as well like you sort of really focusing on those well mainly downwind races but obviously carolina's not really a downwind race but what is it about those races that you really want to focus down on? Like, what, what do they mean to you? Like, um, I, you know, it, it's really Molokai to Oahu is, is, on, is on a level of its own. Like, I, I just treat that with so much more seriousness than all my other events combined, honestly. And, and this is something, like, I kind of call myself out on because I, I want to do better at challenging myself to have that same fire I take to Molokai to Oahu and apply it to Carolina Cup. It's such a hard race. You know, you, your, your guys' pace is ridiculous when we're paddling that event. Like, when I have my, my GPS on my board, I'm looking at our numbers sometimes. And I'm like, how are we going so fast on the intercoastal like this, dude? Like, or when you bra broke away from us like two years ago out of that inlet, on the north inlet i, I forget yeah. the inlet names now but it's like oh man like dude that that motivates me so much um and, and so i really i really think carolina cup such a great competitive race it has everything you can kind of ask for in a race for the most part um but but admittedly i i really just it, it's it's hard to explain but like I think the way I was introduced to Molokai to Oahu from paddling from the canoe club was like, that's, that's like taking on Everest um, in the, in the, in the paddle community, in the paddle world out here. So I really um, just like, that just has so much more weight to it doing well in that event, just really doing that event, like finishing that channel is yeah. an accomplishment. every year it is to finish it is an accomplishment. When was um, the first year you did it? 2014. Yeah. And how was that? That was a, that was a good year. Um, yeah. Good, good. Like the year had really good conditions. Um, I, dude, this is, it's embarrassing, but like I, 
I buckled a, ra a race board, like a strap on my roof broke when I was going to do a Maliko run. My board I was going to use for that race gets buckled, like just under a month before the event. With Rogue SCP at the time, he rushes a board out to me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, my 26-inch wide board was working so good. Let's make the next one 24-inch wide. And I'll just pick it up on Molokai and paddle it over to Oahu, like, the first day I get it. Yeah. So, so it's pretty dumb. But, like, I rode a, you know, a brand-new board on, on my first channel crossing. And yeah, that's tough. It, it That made it tougher than it had to be. But – it's been the first like hour and a half learning how to use your board properly and then you start getting tired and then it just doesn't work yeah it was like the first hour and a half was like oh man this thing's kind of twitchy like i fell right away with all my water packs on and extra weight i'm like oh just because this extra weight's throwing me off but yeah. in my head oh man this is gonna be a long race and it, it worked out good my legs got super tired at the end so i was just falling off like my legs were just like wobbling kind but yeah uh yeah, that was the start of it, and I, you know, I knew it was, I, I knew it was always like once I signed up for that event, I was like, oh man, I'm really, really gonna challenge myself on this on this day, and, and I just look forward to that challenge every every year. Like it's gonna kind of suck come July when I'm not racing that event because it's just kind of fulfilling. I don't know, it's all right. It's it, you 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 uh you got to have a couple of events for you that are just special, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah that for one, sure. I haven't won it yet, actually. That one might be, like, the last yeah. one. Yeah. Well, that's the one I'll, I'll keep going back to, I think, because it's something, like, especially in Australia and, like, I, I don't know if it's Australia or South Africa, like, or, like, all those ocean sort of bound places, that sort of type of channel crossing, there's just something about it that people really want to do. And I think because it's steeped in history over so many different crafts as well, I think, that's one of the reasons why people really have an affinity to it. And it's something that I definitely want to run across and win for sure. Like there's no, see, I just never had a time. Like, you know how you say, like you, you fully trained for Caroline, you fully trained for Molokai. Like I just don't, you don't get that opportunity when you're, you're chasing all those different events. Like, especially when you go to Europe for like, you go to Carolina, then you stay in Europe for like two months and then you, you go home for like a week and then you go over to Molokai, over to Oahu, you train for like seven days on an unlimited that you haven't seen since like November last year. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to go really good on this. And you like spend the whole race like trying to work out how to use the board again. So it's, um, or you make mistakes as well because like last year, like you were talking about like making it like those type of races teach you. Like I had, I learned so much last year. I didn't drink water for the first hour and a half. I went out like it was like a 10 K race and I shouldn't have done that. Like I didn't have the right nutrition. Like I didn't, I didn't spend enough time on my board before the race. So this year I was like going to go for like a full month, like full committed. And then I was just like, obviously all this stuff happened. So just got my money back for my accommodation. So that was good. Oh yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm glad I didn't send my check over to my escort boat driver. Yeah. I know he was, he's a Molokai boy. So he was like, I know he was keeping that money for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, man, that's, yeah, it's crazy to hear, man. Like honestly, um, you know, what you, what you do over in Europe, what you've been doing in Europe the last couple of summers is, is amazing to me. Um, because having experienced what it's like to do even a little part of the Euro tour, um, just the traveling, all the different places, food, just all the, just 
things that take you out of your routine and normalcy is it, it's amazing how you're able to sustain that and 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 claim that uh and claim that tour that that europe to me is such a trick a tricky uh continent to navigate i feel like yeah it's just a very different cultures and obviously different food different um way of life like obviously you, you get in different cars you got to organize your boards you got to like make sure that you're getting to the races early enough but then you want to go see stuff as well if you're so close and like there's all these like decisions you're constantly going to be making but yeah i've been able to manage that that pretty well i guess for the past three four summers now so it's kind of cool like in a way to get a summer off and sort of learn to really appreciate that that experience over there because you're like oh there's all these other goals that I want to do but I've kind of done really well there so I kind of want to keep that going but then you got all these other goals that you want to achieve as well like I'd love to come over and do I think this year I was going to do Maui to Molokai uh, there's like an APP race that I'm putting on and then the the Molokai to Oahu and I was like oh it'd be so cool to like spend so much more time over there because it looks so fun like there's obviously like all those cool different places you can travel to in Hawaii which I haven't been to I've been to Oahu mainly and then over to Maui just for that APP race a few years ago. But yeah, there's yeah. always like so many different, so many different goals and things that you want to chase that you're like, ah, oh, where am I getting like my most income from? Or, cause that's, that's really what affects it as well because you're trying to like sustain this whole lifestyle and you've got to do the ones that I guess the guys that were supporting you really want you to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. It, it's, um, it's quite the balance, right. Of just like, you know, you kind of want to go do everything, but then it's like, okay, what, what can I afford to go do? Yeah. Let's just look at it that way or where, you know, what do I have time to go do? Um, yeah, it's definitely one of the interesting parts of like our sport not being completely organized. It, it's like, you know, um, like, like Slater Trout was always this example to me was like, dude, Slater would just go, we'd specialize in a few events each year, do really good and was just as much of a paddler as somebody that would do like 30 events in the year. Yeah. And, you know, do, do good and stuff. But like, you know, I, I don't know, like to me, I, I can't, I, I can do 30 events a year, but I, I, I can't, I, I can't expect this, the results to really be awesome in all of them, especially if there's a lot of traveling involved. So yeah really hard it's to stay like, consistent it's like bittersweet you know like to me when i when i go travel places because i'm like oh man i'm like love so stoked to be here at the same time i'm like man that jet lag really got me in <laughs> you know you know when you just feel on or when you feel off when you're on the water and yeah right and yeah i, I know exactly what you're talking about with jet lag <laughs> what's that my last Euro trip like scarred me. I was so jet lagged in the first yeah. race. Yeah, because it's it's like the furthest away from you. Hey, it's like the twelve hour full, full um chain chase. So that's like me going to Carolina. Carolina's the same for me. So like every time I go there, it's like I either nail it or I just do terribly because it's just so hard to work yeah. out that time zone. I know like yeah. before Bill Bow last year, I went. I did like the Sersky Molokai and I was like, I can fly back to Europe and race or I can fly home for like four days and then like reset and then go. So I went back home um, and it was like, I think I got there back there on like Friday, was there till the following Wednesday, then flew out on Wednesday, got into Barcelona like Thursday afternoon, slept overnight. Then I was going to drive to um, Bilbao, but I decided to fly instead. So I flew, I got there like, 
in the afternoon. was so jet lagged. I was like, ah, oh, this is a waste of time. I'm not going to be able to race well. And then I raced pretty well. And then I made that, and I made a mistake right at the end. I slipped on my paddle a couple of times and then didn't get a fair shot at the line because I just made too many mistakes. And um, yeah, it was just like, I just, that jet lag was just killing me. The night before I was like, yeah, dinner, just like. <laughs> yeah. It, it, oh man, I could only imagine like just getting right into it. Yeah, I get like, okay, I'm, I'm here on like Friday afternoon arrived. I'm like, okay, racing tomorrow morning. Uh, yeah, you know, I've just spent like 30 hours on planes or whatever it is. It's just, it's just yeah. not natural. Hey, your body just like, what are you doing? Stop making me do this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, um, but I definitely would like to go back. You know, I, I mean, I still want to still want to keep traveling. This year I was going to focus more on just North American events. Um, but, you know, really it's just wait and see what we can go do. Um, the new company I'm with, Flying Fish, they're such a they're, – they're a pretty, like, grassroots-style brand. They're, they're kind of like the Florida version of Infinity, like where – the yep. owner is the shaper. He's making these cool custom boards for people. So, you know, people are being are able to order their custom board. And so there's a more of a relationship with that shaper and brand to the end yep. paddle. And so I was really like, and, and that was a part of that attracted me to the company. So I was like, oh man, I really want to like team up with, with John, the owner of Flying Fish and just like, all right, what events are important to you? Let's do them because you know it's just it's fun to be around that like i really like competing at the highest level but it's super fun too to just you know kind of mix it up and be like just super loud and vocal on the sidelines cheering on the kids race because you know it's only a six mile race in florida compared to like bill bow or yeah. <laughs> or sharp Pits or something so. And I know you were working really hard, obviously, on Molokai again. You, you, you won the race last year in the stock division. You broke the record. Um, what was it like to do that? And were you creating a board to do that again this year? Like, because obviously, you're talking about going 14 by 26 years ago, and now you're like, I think it's like a 14 by 22 or something like that. So there's a bit of a progressions happened there. Um, yeah. how, like, how cool was that for you winning Molokai last year and obviously breaking the record? And now you're sort of like the fastest guy ever to cross the channel on a 14. That must be pretty cool for you. Yeah, thanks, man. Like that is um that is honestly really like the accomplishment I'm I'm most proud about. Um really because of just the weight that the channel has out here in the paddling community. Like when I was introduced to paddling, Kaivi was like that doing a Kaivi channel crossing was like I mean, it would just, it seemed beyond what I was ever going to achieve. I, I just wasn't sure, you know, if I'd ever be in that channel. If so, it was probably going to be with like on a six man with a nine, with nine people though on the crew where you switch out and stuff. And so, yeah, just like focusing, being able to focus on that. And, and then knowing too, like this whole time I got into paddling pretty much, Kai held that record. And, and so that was always like the mark, like I wanted to win one, of course, for sure. But then I always knew what his record time was. I always knew. So in case I was in the channel and it was that kind of day where you had the opportunity, it was like, okay, I, I don't care if I'm ahead of this guy. Like I, I want it. I'm going after Kai's record. Like I really what was it? it. His record was four hours and 22 minutes. Yeah. Um, 
mine is four hours, um, eight minutes, 12 seconds. Wow, I so say you smoked even. I, I, I mean, it was, the conditions were pretty good this year, or last yeah. year. Ford was, you know, I was on a dugout actually too for the first time um, out of all my crossings and that, that made a big difference. So yeah, I was super fired up to come back this year. And like, even though I accomplished what I really wanted to last year, it was, it was like, I'm doing this again with flying fish. We're putting way more R and D into this board. Really, we put more R and D into that one board than I have with all my other downwind boards throughout my whole paddling life. Just because I'm with, the brand you know which you can relate to that really values r&d really it's yeah. like whatever it takes you know we need to make this board just that much faster yeah how good is it to be with a brand like that though i know that that's why i wanted to be with starboard in the first place because i just know they love racing and they love like r&d on boards and they bring us out and we test for like weeks on end and it's just like such a massive focus because they just want to like they want us to win and they want like us to be on the best board so like they just put so much time and effort into it and it's just it feels cool to be a part of that environment. For sure. I mean, like, I, I, um, you know, to me, I saw this was, this was always like the way to go because, um, you know, being a competitive shortboarder growing up, I, I had a relationship with a local shaper. Um, and, and so I just, I, I always felt that custom boards is the way to go or, and, and just, and just even just a really um, big effort in R&D, just the, the passion to want to test things and want to improve on them and be like, okay, like the, that version three was pretty sweet, but like, and that's a good board. We improved on version one and two, but there's things we could do to make it even better. So the job's not done. Let's cut again. Let's cut another piece of foam and do it. And yeah. that's pretty sweet. I mean, I definitely, um, enjoy you know that it, it, you know we're talking piling here we're getting on a board we're trying to make it faster how hard implicate. is that though when you're doing version one and version two and version three and then you like get to the version three and you're like that's pretty good but we'll do another one and then it's like uh, yeah but then yeah. that was pretty good we could probably make it a little bit better and then it's like no that's enough <laughs> that's enough <laughs> you know it's the fun part of it because like yeah you know the more the more people you get involved with the r&d is like the more idea sharing happens and the more like ideas conflict each other and you're like yeah. okay like how are we going to sort this out and um reason through this and and um you know like sometimes you're like what he wants to make the rail softer no way yeah and then you paddle and then you're like oh man i i think he i was feeling it like i think i need to make the rails we need to make the rails softer i agree or like you just i i enjoy that stuff um yeah, I spent a lot of time over the past few years on unlimited design because Starboard really didn't really focus on it. Like the guys always would get different brands and just sort of paint them over. And I was like, no, nah, like, let's just do it. Let's make a board. And I think I've had three versions now. And this one, I think, again, the, the newest one I made for this year's Moloch. I was like, oh, this is a good board. I can't wait to get out there because I made a few mistakes on it last year. And you don't really get, I guess, especially with unlimited, you don't really get the time to do a lot of R&D because you race one race a year and, and that's it. And like and Starboard, or any brand don't sell unlimiteds really like they sell 14 they sell all the other brands in the range and unlimiteds kind of like i don't know like the the passion project on the side for a couple of the riders who really want to get involved in it and i've been lucky to sort of have that say and obviously i have a say on all the boards that i paddle now which is kind of cool but 
um, yeah, that was, that was been really cool because I actually designed that whole board myself, like, like choosing the rocker, choosing the rails, choosing how wide it is, like obviously design the steering system, design the front of the nose, like where the water moves, like obviously how narrow it is. Like, yeah, it's just, it's such a cool process to be a part of. I, I love that whole thing. Absolutely, dude. I mean, that's, it, it's, um, it, it's a privilege really to be able to work with a company or designer shaper that knows you know how to that that can take those like visions you know and and build that dream board for you and then to take it full circle and to win on that board is it's it's such a cool i mean it's such a cool thing to be a part of and and really like as a racer um i found this out a long time ago like you know racers surfers ain't always the best board shapers and boards and vice versa so you kind of you need each other it, yeah. You know, you need that like relationship or partnership to be like on point. You you feed off of each other, and um, and yeah, when it all when it all just comes together, it's 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 great. We get to you know work with our you know with our clients or just other paddlers, and we're sharing them the boards that like we're we're pumped on. You're like, yeah. You know, this is why we made the rocker like this on the on the on the ace or our free bird. Yeah. Or, you know, this like this is why we're doing the, the recess deck on this. Yeah. Well, it, and what's the coolest thing is like when you're getting messages from like people out in the paddling community going, Hey man, like is this is the new board faster? Is like which board should I get? Like you're like, Oh, like I really like this part of this board because I paddle it and then like there's this new board coming, but I can't tell you about it yet. But there's like all these like cool different designs coming. But, yeah, there's just, it's just it's such an awesome process to be a part of and I think it's just an addition to that awesomeness of like SUP and, and the bracing community and being just being involved all together. Um, but you're speaking about North American races that you're mainly focusing on this year. What are the races that stand out, stand out for you in that North American um, race year? So I actually haven't done much racing in, in North America. Well, I mean, have you, have you came out for Hood River yet? I did yeah. it. I did it once, I think like back in 2015, but it's always like that hard period. Like it's like Europe and then Molokai and then like, then you got to go to there. It's like, if I can have a six weeks off of that period, I'm really happy. <laughs> yeah yeah well that's you know to me that's um that's becoming like my 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 favorite event to do on the water and out of the water that place is awesome but um you know so that one's become really awesome it's such a great taste of downwinding for a lot of people it's their first taste of like bumps and stuff um you know a lot of like american paddlers will kind of make that journey out to uh, hood river for that first intro to downwinding and whatnot but um really florida has has it's always been a paddling state but florida has just gotten bigger with the race scene yeah. and um our flying fish actually uh kind of co-started a florida paddle league um more so kind of organized um a league of events that were already happening kind of like euro tour did yeah and and that's and that was taken off it's it's a bummer it's been kind of you know um what's that called oh uh, the florida paddle league okay because it's like there's like a midwest paddle league or something over there as well i i don't yeah I, i've seen that but and i'm not i'm not familiar with like who runs it or whatnot but the yeah. florida league is really just like an um 
them organizing a bunch of events that were already kind of happening annually yeah. or just popping up. And really there's, there's no, like the events are small. Like they're maybe sponsored by like the local city tourism authority. Um, just like a restaurant, a local restaurant sponsoring it, but you're getting like 200, 300 paddlers in all these events almost. It, yeah. It's sweet. Um, so I was really hoping to do a lot of that. Um, maybe the, yeah, that's, the yeah, that's pretty sick. Like I was hoping like at some point somebody would put together a series in North America where like someone like uh, me could go and like do like four weeks in a row or something like that, because you go yeah. over and it used to be like Carolina and like, I love Carolina because it was such a big race for me. Like it was like where you went as your proving ground, as an endurance athlete, like you had every condition and you sort of like, if you want it, you like, you were the best guy in all conditions over that distance. Like, cause you had like guys like Travis win it, Danny win it, T2 win it. I think Chase might've won it as well. Maybe AV, I'm not sure in the early years, but there was just like, that was like very historic. And I was like, I have to go to that. But then you have to go, I live in Perth. So it's like, Dude, yeah. 30 hours or something for me to get there so i'm like and then i get there and it's like oh there's no races anymore i was like okay cool so i'll either go all the way back home or i go to europe so i then i usually just go straight to europe but like yeah. if there was more races around i'd be like oh cool like let's go to those two or three races before it or like after it and like and then you have, then you'd have hood river in august and then you'd have um pacific paddle games in october and i'm just like can't like at least two of these events link up so then like yeah. we can as an international athlete, like it would be massive because everybody would go, but because they're so disjointed, it's like, you're not going to get all the athletes going to all three of them because it's only so many times, so much, so many hours I can sit on a plane, you know? Dude. Yeah. Honestly, I, I agree with you on that one. Like I, I hearing you say how much you, you have to travel to come up to these events and stuff. I'm like, I'm not even an event organizer. And I'm like, dude, thank you for coming up <laughs> all the way from Perth to come race with us, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I agree. And I think, I think, um, you know, the East coast is kind of, was kind of slow to get into the racing scene. Like in, in as far as, uh, East coast America, it's like, um, it's always been there, but like, even just in Florida alone, I, I I swear I'm seeing just like more growth there. I think Florida now can almost claim being the paddle state out of, out of all of the 50 states. I think there's more people paddling in Florida than any, anywhere else. Yeah. Um, and then, or maybe I'm seeing that too, just because I'm with flying fish and they're just, they have such a presence being headquartered out of there. Um, but yeah, I definitely agree with you, man. Like there is, um, I think, you know, the U S could really step up, you know, we need to replace kind of losing, um, Pacific paddle games. Um, I, I would love to see that event get replaced or picked up by somebody again. That was, that was great. Um, but yeah, like just even piggybacking the major events together. Like I think that was a big success of the Euro tour. And I think that's definitely a model that a lot of, events should try to look to follow yeah and then yeah, i think it, i think it makes it more exciting for everybody there you go there's yeah. a job for you <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i was like oh no uh, yeah uh you know that was that was that's 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 uh other people's jobs you know the there's there's that's when you totally get into the whole paddle ticks conversation of app wpa yeah, oh, ICF, ISA, <laughs> all these different ones. 
There's so many. Yeah, yeah. I, I just wish there was all sorts of something organized. But there is our sport is so organized, but it's so disorganized at the same time. It's like you have all these amazing events that all run like clockwork, and you don't really think about the the big the big federations or whatever. And then you got the WTA was like one of the first. And then you had obviously APP was one of the first. And then you have ISA sort of. I don't know where they came in, and then ICF come in like really late, and it's just, yeah. it's like yeah, it's all cool. It's like can't we just like all work together? Because clearly it's a good sport, and everyone's psyched on it. Let's just like all make it better for everybody instead of like going, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. <laughs> yeah, it's. I know. I feel like it's it's really like just a, a a battle of you know organizations that are yeah, just kind of fighting over that 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 claim and title. Um with us paddlers suffering on the wayside yeah, yeah. And, well mate i'd like to see you get into the politics and, and create a, that good american series for us international races that'd be really good to see so i'll be i'll be checking in on you in a couple of months time to see what your progress is <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man yeah frick uh i've you know i haven't had a project for made determined yet so there you go maybe i'll i'll get on with that there I'm you go, mate. Kids though first, uh, I'm gonna get the. I'm gonna really focus on offering all these free online coaching services to the kids and yeah. And I do like group clinics now. Um, any kid under 17 will be able to paddle for free, um, and stuff. And so I'll start with the kids. I'm gonna try to try to leave leave a mark with them. And then uh, yeah, I mean, got to give them a platform to compete in. So you know, I really maybe that's where i'll start is with like a junior race league and yeah up. look at that planting seeds on this show now as well how good is that oh my god <laughs> <don't hold> <laughs> yeah everybody if you don't want to hear about the uh the new american paddle league ring josh um but yeah like so what are the other big events in america at the moment because i heard like good things about um the chatterjack um obviously hood river is a, a good one caroline's a good one uh, I know you won, I think it was Santa Monica Paddle Fest last year. There's like all these different events, but they're all sort of a bit separated. Is there any other ones out there that you're like, oh, that's kind of a cool one. I wish we could get to that. So, I mean, yeah, there's, there's, um, there's, you, you named off a lot of the really good ones, like the bigger known ones. Um, yeah. Besides that, you missed the, well, there's the Santa Cruz Paddle Fest in march that one's super cool that's actually the one i do it's in santa cruz you do okay. that steamers lane then you race yeah. around the pier um and then there's santa monica that's just a race but besides that the chattajack is actually if if it runs i'm actually might be jumping into that race this year just um considering you know there's no molokai that's kind of like the inland version of molokai to oahu yeah uh, i feel like there's going to be a lot more in the back half of this year i think organizers are all going to have to if they're going to if they don't cancel their event they're going to have to kind of postpone their events to the back half of the year yeah so I, i'm kind of leaving that i, I have the while the schedule's really open, I have a feeling that it's going it's going to fill up in the back half of this year. Yeah. So, and, and I and I think I'm gonna be look and I'm gonna be looking for a lot of like kind of new events. Um, one thing that's I'm kind of attracted to those long distance races that uh, Chris and and Bart are getting into, like the. Are you going to the Yukon? Dude, oh man, I was I was really close uh, to adding that event 
onto my schedule this year. Awesome. But I, I held off. Um, what about Eleven City? <laughs> no way. No way. No way, dude. I you want. Mean, it, you want to do a thousand miles or whatever it is along the Yukon, but you don't want to do two twenty k no, on rivers. No, you know that's that's great. I'm glad that you called me out on my logic. <laughs> Because <laughs> while it's much farther to do the Yukon race, um, you know, I really don't see it as a race. It's more of like an experience. Go camp on like the river. You got to watch out for bears and stuff. Um, that sounds less painful than paddling um, like 150 miles flat water with the Husulos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I know. I'm, I'm scared of that race too. I don't think I'll be doing it anytime soon. Take some chances with the bears, dude. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's um, yeah, there's like so many cool races out there that eventually I think I'll get to, especially yeah. as you get older. I think the endurance races tend to tend to favor the guys who've been paddling for that little bit longer. And I think, yeah, it'll be something I move into, just something to chase, I think, and test myself as I get as I get a little bit older. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not far off 30, I know you're already there, so that makes me feel better. But <laughs> <laughs> welcome, bro. Yeah, yeah, nearly, not yet, not there yet. Don't welcome me yet next year. Dude, yeah, man. Well, I, I agree, dude. Like, I feel like um, it's just natural. Your body becomes more, you know, conditioned to the, the long miles. Um, I think, you know, with, you've already proven you're quite the endurance paddler. And so, uh, yeah, man, I mean, it's, it, it's just a fun, like, that's more of the adventure side of paddling that I think, um, you know, it's good to, it's good to have that balance of competing and, and, and passion to kind of like obviously there's a passion with competing but then it's also you know it's really good I think just for like your your soul to go and do something different like that go camp yeah. on the, in the wilderness with yourself and all that yeah I don't know I'm not I'm not that as attracted to that I don't like roughing it that much no nah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's kind of my I'm like I'm all I'm all in for it dude I'm, I'm ready yeah I want I want to yeah, man, like, dude, just the thought of doing stuff like that is crazy. I mean, there's the, the fact that guys are crossing oceans on our on paddle boards. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I can't think of his name right now. The Spanish guy crossed from um, San Fran through to Hawaii, and he's paddled, I think he's paddled around the whole of Spain, or he paddled the whole of Portugal, but, and he's just, like, an adventurer, and, like, does Everest and all sort of stuff. I, I've got him on Facebook, but I can't remember his name. Antonio, I think his name is. He's a machine. Yeah. And then you got um, Chris Burdich as well. Obviously done, done. I don't know which 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 ocean crossing he did, but they're just all ridiculous, aren't they? Yeah, no, yeah, he did. Yeah, it was actually he did the Atlantic crossing, right? And then he did like, I think that his Atlantic paddle was like thirty-two hundred miles. I actually was looking at my speed coach the other day, and I go, oh, he's paddled across an ocean, and I've still paddled more miles than he has. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, it, it does it cumulative does it add it up does it literally yeah like over you know just over the years of having a gps speed coach i have yeah. like i just lost my my one that had over 1200 miles logged on it and that was only like a year and a half old yeah and, and that it just does like man you know those it, it's i don't know it's just crazy you know like what that time equates to you know like I look through my data a lot. Every once in a while, I'll just go through. Yeah. Because my speed coach has an odometer to it. So it shows like your total miles paddled with this device. And I'm like, damn, those miles 
represent a lot more than just like 1200 miles of like that's like you're sweating there's times when you're like oh man the current's going against me the wind wasn't supposed to blow this way why is it doing this and yeah you know, it's just to me the the connection you get from paddling and in the ocean and stuff is just uh it keeps me it keeps me thinking of like adventures like that on top of like, okay, I gotta, I gotta get back to the grind and chase guys like Boothy and, and Connor and whatnot. But there's all, yeah, that you got, you got some, you got some uh, exciting times. If you, if you follow through on some of these projects that you're talking about, it's going to be cool to follow. You got Yukon, you're going to cross an, an ocean, you're going to start a paddle league. Like it's going to, it's going to be great. I can't wait to follow this. Well, I mean, you know, I gotta, gotta gotta keep gotta it keep gotta pushing keep, gotta keep the stoke going and, and yeah. to me that's like that's just where my mind is going with this it's like oh it's so it was so inspiring to see guys cross the ocean like the atlantic ocean and then you know the spanish guy to do the uh san fran to hawaii crossing motorcycler is back <laughs> yeah he's revving it up working on his engine today and uh-huh. so what so what's it like at the moment on Maui? Like um, you obviously be able to you go able to use the ocean still. You are locked down until May. Um, what's what's next for you? Like over this next period, like you want to race? Obviously at the end of the year, are you still training hard? Like how's it all? What's the landscape for you going forward in this next six months? And you've obviously spoken about a lot of your different plans for the next five years. But is there anything else you'd like to to throw in there that you're thinking you're going to do? Um. No, you know, honestly, like it's, it's, it's just so crazy not knowing what, what's going to be going on for the rest of this year, what events are going to cancel and, and run. Um, but you know, it's uh, the, the worst thing I to do is just sit in the house and, and not paddle. Um, so getting, getting, at least just getting out there on the water daily is really helping me a lot. Um, as we have one more month for sure we're on lockdown we're able to access the ocean every day so it's kind of like my excuse to get out of the house i'm gonna keep doing that um and then yeah i mean i really wanna i really don't want to let my my physical conditioning slide back too far yeah um and and so it's really just kind of at least maintain some kind of level of paddle fitness and and um really just kind of take it by freaking week by week and see see what this year will let us do um yeah that's kind of it yeah just enjoy enjoy life and take the opportunities when they come hey yeah yeah Yeah. pretty much i mean you know i guess i'm i'm launching this new website i'm really hoping i'll get um you know a bunch of kids I'll, I'll, I'll get connected with a bunch of like junior paddlers, get to work with them and, and uh, just, you know, kind of start helping pass on some of the stuff that I've learned onto them. But um, it is kind of a weird little fate, like state right now, we're in right now. Like, okay, so what races are you training for? Do you think yeah. you're actually going to be able to travel to that race, you know, this year? Um, so yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a, a weird, a weird, uh, a weird outlook, but I'm not stressing too much. I'm in Hawaii. I'm really grateful to be here. And as long as I can keep paddling, I'm stoked. 
Yeah, well, it's been so good to talk to you today and obviously hear your stoke and your passion and hear how much you love paddling and, and all your future plans. Is there anywhere uh, for people to check out more about you? I know you got your website and your Instagram and all that sort of stuff. So if you want to throw some handles out there for people to check out, uh, now's, now's the time to do it. Yeah, dude. Thank you, bro. Well, thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm really just my my personal athlete website, joshricchio.com. Um, my social media handles are all my name, Josh Riccio. So, yeah, just um, feel free to like, subscribe, message me. And, yeah, I mean, I'm hanging out in Maui, always looking to talk story, talk paddling with anyone. So, uh yeah, man, I appreciate the the call and thanks for thanks for having me on the booty cast. No worries. Thanks for your time, mate. And just thanks to everybody out there who has been watching. If there's anybody out there you'd like me to get on for this period, um, please let me know. Um, you can check out uh, Boothcast on my Michael Booth Facebook and it, Boothcast is in Spotify, iTunes and all your favorite podcast channels. So check them out. Been fantastic talking with you today, Josh, and I'm sure we'll have many chats to come. Looking forward to seeing what your Paddle League series looks like. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm with you. See you later. <laughs>